Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a very special episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. The NFL season, it's only got a couple weeks left. And look, you might not be at the game this year, but you could still be in on all the action at BetOnline. Like, side note, the Bears are three-point underdogs against the Minnesota Vikings this weekend. What are you going to do about it, Bears fans? And from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always that online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining the pod. We are hitting. It's the holiday season, so it's time to return back to our movie podcast series. A little film that came out in 1995 on a little date called April 26th that went up against a little film called Village of the Damned. Holy moly, it's the movie Friday. It made $28.2 million in a month that saw movies like Bad Boys, Rob Roy, While You Were Sleeping, Tommy Boy, Jury Duty, Don Juan DeMarco. This all came out that month in 1995. But Friday is the cult classic that continues to live on. We're so happy to hear and talk about it. So let's bring in our guests, first of all. First up, she's in Marvel's Runaways and the new Netflix film, You Are My Home. Back in the day, her nickname was Angel Dust. It's Angel Parker. Hello, Angel. (laughs) Hi, guys. Thank you so much for joining. Also, you might have seen him in The Politician, The Flash, and my personal fave, Jeepers Creepers 2, when Smokey takes a shit in the backyard. This next guest sometimes mutters to himself, I've been there before. It's Eric Menninger. Hello, Eric. Hey, everybody. <laughs> and finally, he's made several appearances on this pod. He's a resident movie podcast guest. He drops so many bombs. He's about to today that you're not going to be able to walk into the bathroom for the next 30 to 45 minutes. Get out the spray. It's Dan Sanders-Joyce. Hello, Dan. Hey, pal. And I am not getting bit in the ass on Sunday by taking that bear spread. Don't you don't you do it. So we're here to talk about the movie Friday and off the top personally a movie that I haven't seen in a long time a movie that I saw multiple times growing up but absolutely loved it and I was just talking in the prepod about a movie that is so perfect for quarantine right now. This is a movie that has really no one watching TV. Everyone's outside and the neighborhood and the block itself is the action, the carnival of life, which is every day of life. It's just right there out there in front of you, which is why I love this movie so much. It was so great to watch. Angel, if it's okay, we're going to open it up with you. Just let us know when was the first time you saw this movie and a little bit of, you know, what's your relationship to the movie now? Um, I, I saw it when it first came out. I was in high school and we loved it. I'm from LA, so I'm an LA native. So it was very much all how <laughs> the city is. And so you guys live here, you know, especially now, even the home that we live in, we have a front porch, we sit and watch the neighbors go by. It's very much an LA thing. You look up, you see the palm trees, you see somebody ride their bike by, you know, it's very much an LA movie. So I've probably seen it 30 times. We have the VHS of it still. Oh, you still have the VHS? That's yeah, awesome. In there. Yeah, <laughs> we have the VHS of it. Eric, when was the first time you saw Friday? And I know you guys saw it recently, but you know, do you still watch it maybe just as often as your wife does now? I probably watch it more often than my wife does. <laughs> nice. Uh, so a friend of mine brought this VHS home in 95. I didn't see it in the theaters. And we had a little tradition where we would smoke weed on Friday night and watch Friday, which is what suburban white kids in St. Louis are supposed to do and pretend that we know what LA is like. And I, <laughs> there's a very good chance that I've seen this movie more times than I've seen any other movie 
uh, in my life, or it's up there. Because we would watch it every Friday, I think for maybe 20 or 30 weeks in a row. Um, and then I continue watching it constantly. But when I moved to Los Angeles is when I finally understood like how hilarious this movie is, because it's so distinct to everything that's south of the 10 freeway. And, and it made sense. Like when Smokey says in between Normandy and Western and you live in St. Louis, you have no idea what he's talking about. And then I felt like that was the biggest Hollywood event of my life was when I was on the 10 freeway. And I was like, that's Normandy, that's Western. <laughs> it changed everything. It changed everything now. So I love it. I think it's hilarious. I quote it all the time. I watched it again last night, but I could have watched it in my, in my mind because it's pretty much imprinted there. Yeah, the thing that kind of came back to me a little bit was there's just so many quotables that even till this day, and we're going to get into some of the quotables in this movie, the catchphrases, but also I'm the same thing with you where I had to have the older brother. This was the type of movie, that type of rated R movie that the older brother had to kind of get for you or maybe the one that when the parent would also rent it, you'd have to sneak it out on the sleepover and try and pop it in the seventh and eighth grade area. And then you get into it and you're like, what is this magical thing called marijuana? You know, I had no idea. Dan, when was the first time you saw this movie and what's your relationship to it now? First time I saw this movie, it came out in 95, right? I was in sixth grade. I'm pretty sure I saw it the next, I, I know I, I saw it when it came out on VHS. I did not see this movie in the theaters, but I did see it very soon after it came out on VHS. Uh, and it was one of the first times I got high also was watching this movie. So that's Sixth grade, Dan? Sixth grade. Seventh grade. Seventh grade. Yeah. Like 13 was when I was when I hit this uh, for the first time. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <in that. laughs> and uh, and it was like an immediate uh, favorite amongst me and my friends. I remember uh, Anthony Gleason was there. Brendan Preddy was there. Uh, and it was like one of those movies that like Eric, we watched on a very regular basis. Um, uh, but very much like Eric, for me, I haven't seen this movie since moving to LA and watching it last night. I was like, oh, this thing really does take on a whole new sort of life and a whole new meaning. It's sort of like listening to Rage Against the Machine for the first time when you are in traffic on La Brea uh, for, the, for that very first time and you've <laughs> got pocket full of blaring out of your sound system. Well, and that was what was funny is it was I, I have loved this movie for so long, hadn't seen it in a while, and it was a little bit of this mystery of me going back in and being like, why do I love this movie so much? And then you go back in and it is so jam-packed it's a day about really nothing. It's a day off, right? I mean, he doesn't have a job anymore, but so many things happen over and over and over again. So I want to maybe open it up like this. Eric, maybe you can go first on this one. I was really struck by how this movie is borderline a staged play. Yeah. I mean, oh. more or less. I mean, we're not changing a lot of locations. We have one set piece. We have characters coming in and out. You know, that was something that really, really surprised me about it. And I think that's why the movie works so well it's kind of brilliant. Like you have to tip your hat to the director for just putting together a very, very stylized, extremely cheap comedy. <laughs> like it takes place on his block. They literally do not leave Craig's front porch, except like Angel said last night, to go to the store and come back to get Smokey's mom some cigarettes for a dollar. Um, but it's brilliant because they just look across the street at Miss Parker's house. They look down the street and then and, and Hector and them pull up and the whole thing takes place in and outside of his house. I love it so much. I love movies that are simple like this and get creative with that simplicity because the camera shots are cool, but you also feel like you're just sitting on the front porch. It's awesome. And there's like a realism to it, but there's like a physicality that's kind of almost cartoonish because one person leaves, another one person exits, another person enters. You've got people flying in the air. You've got like sound effects and all this different stuff. Dan, hop in. 
Yeah, I, you know, I was shocked to uh, realize that Ice Cube wrote this. Uh, I, I didn't know, I don't think I knew that when I was watching it as a younger, uh, younger kid. And then F. Gary Gray, the director, Eric, uh, gave us later, gave us such gems like TLC's Waterfalls, uh, directed that music video, but also like gave us The Italian Job, gave us uh, Fate of the Furious, which that franchise may be mm, the greatest franchise of movies ever made. And that's uh, the greatest one of that franchise, clearly. The great, uh, yeah, each one gets better. So we'll see what happens with nine. Uh, <laughs> um, but F. Gary Gray, and also makes a nice little cameo in this movie. Uh, if you guys, uh, if you guys were were aware or were not aware, wait, where yeah, is it? Course. Drop it, reveal it. He's, he's mopping the floor in the store. He's the store oh. clerk that, when uh, when the crackhead runs in and slips, tells him to get the fuck out of there. Oh, oh my back, get my back! He said, "There's not even water over there." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he'll keep quiet for twenty bucks. And yeah. Dan, you're bringing up a really great point about, you know, Ice Cube did uh, pen the screenplay. You know, I think you had a co-writer credit. Angel, I want to ask you, it's one of these really interesting moves, too, where you've got Ice Cube, you know, he's in NWA, he's in Boys in the Hood, and then he writes himself a character where he's actually the loser, which honestly, in the 21st century, if you were to like, if you were to have a big star write a script, would you necessarily lean in that direction? I found that to be a really interesting choice. You know, what's your take on like Ice Cube writing himself a character that's kind of vulnerable, a little down on his luck, and then eventually he finds his bearings? Well, it's a family film, you know, it's all about, <laughs> he does say he's the Mac. I don't know if you asked him Macaroni. if he would say yeah. he wasn't the cool one, but he was sort of the straight one, the one that didn't, um, you know, he didn't smoke weed. He, I drink, you know, he doesn't do all the things, but I don't know if you saw the end of um, uh, Straight Out of Compton, where they really talk about him writing this and wanting him to start his next chapter. And so I think it's kind of cool. And he also, all of his connections from Boys in the Hood, he was able to get this movie made but it's very simply done it's not it's, I think it took 20 days or something to shoot it's a bunch of friends they've all been in movies together it was one of those things that I think he wanted to tell more stories about the hood more stories about people that he knew there's no white people in the entire movie I don't know if you noticed that either um, and so I think black director and all of that it was just this is what life was like and it's not all gangbanging. It's not all boys in the hood, which a lot of people think, oh, Compton, Long Beach, like this is all, but it's also full of neighborhoods. And when you move to LA, you notice it's full of neighborhoods. And he was like, this is just my block. And now in quarantine, people are probably noticing their blocks a little bit more because you see the same people over and over. So it's very much an LA story. And I think that's what he was trying to do was show that, um, you know, this is just a day in the life of, this is just a Friday. Yeah, that's a great point. And Eric, hop in on this because I, I just found it to be really, yeah, just kind of like disarming and vulnerable. Like the first scene in the movie, right, is he's pouring himself some cereal and he can't find milk. I mean, who hasn't been in that situation before? You know, big, tough ice cube all of a sudden doesn't have a job and he can't find any cereal. You know, I just found that the way that they went about it of this rags to riches, because I, I started watching next Friday after I watched it yesterday while I was doing notes. I just started watching it. And by that time, Ice Cube's character is like he's he's the man. He's in control. He goes to the suburbs. He's the fish out of water, but he's got the toughness now in this now new element of softness. I mean, Erica, it's just a really interesting move for him to be like, well, I'm going to write myself kind of in this certain way and go through this arc. I'm not going to be the badass in the beginning of a movie. Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. I think, you know, Angel's right. Like they wanted to show a more realistic, you know, slice of the hood that not everybody was badass. But I think it's also a tribute to Ice Cube kind of being a marketing genius is that he always was able to pivot maybe a little bit earlier than he needed to. And um, I think he wrote a subtly great movie that starts off with a 
guy that you recognize as being this hardcore dude from NWA, Doughboy from Boys in the Hood, he wakes up in Doughboy's costume and he immediately puts himself like five steps below where he went and then climbs up. Like it's, it's subtly really good storytelling. And he kind of knew that if he did this, it would shock people a little bit, surprise them, get them hooked. And then they would watch him become the ice cube that we all want to see when he finally punches Devo out in the end, you know? But it's it's smart. It's subtly smart. But if you're Thank from you. LA, you know people, you know everybody like that. You know you know all of those people. I mean, there's the black nerd. Remember the- um, Stanley. Stanley's dad coming in like, oh, you oh, know. No, Red's dad. Yeah, Red, yeah, Red. <laughs> oh, Stanley the neighbor, oh my gosh, yes. Everybody knows that person. Everybody know. I remember getting my haircut. I had Nia Long's haircut. I mean, come on, I was, it was. Yeah, it that, was opening, that opening shot with Regina King not wanting to sleep on her hair. And so she's like sleeping on her, on her um, hands. <laughs> she doesn't <laughs> mat down her hair. It's, it's perfect. It's great. And possibly the best actress in the entire movie is Regina oh, King, who's now you know, an Oscar cool. winner and an Emmy winner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you're you're leading right into it. Let's just talk about this this heavy ensemble cast, literally to the point where this movie is a cult success. They want to try and make a sequel, and all of a sudden, like you're not getting Nia Long, you're not getting Regina King. You know what I mean? You're not getting Chris Tucker. These are all turning into movie stars and eventually Academy Award winners. Dan, you know, let's just kind of throw it up there. You know, in general, you know, who's your favorite ensemble character in this movie? There's a ton to pick from, but if you had one, where would you go? I mean, that, that, there's so many, but like, I, I don't know how John Witherspoon doesn't, it, it, I, I don't know how he's not everybody's favorite. Like Mia Long is fantastic in this. Regina King is fantastic in this and looks great without a bra in that, in, in just her shirt. Um, but John Witherspoon, like the, just the, like, the subtleties of, of him eating in every scene or talking about food, like he, except for when he's taking a shit. But even that you can sort of argue that he's, uh, there's food involved. Um, the only scene where there's no food involved is when he talks to when he talks to Cube about not having to have a gun, not having to carry a gun. Which is which an amazing scene, which we'll get to. Yeah, we'll get to that in just a little bit. Eric, I want to ask you, growing up, did your father ever make you have a conversation in the same room as him as he was taking a shit? Uh, no, I kind of wish he would. I feel like his dad cared more about him than my dad did about me. <laughs> it's a family love. film, I told you. Yeah, I was just, <laughs> I was not what kidding. were the what were the St. Louis what were the St. Louis guidelines there in that situation? <laughs> we were strictly a closed door policy. Although I think I'm going to do that to my son now because it shows that you're a good parent. It really does. Yeah. You're invested in him. In my household, when my dad took a shit, every room was the room that my dad was taking a shit in. So uh... <laughs> he sits around the house. <laughs> just didn't matter angel do you have a favorite uh, side character i know we all you know it seems like chris tucker kind of flies into the radar because we so expect this amazing like breakout performance who's your kind of favorite that you go back and you're like i always loved this character growing up i mean every time i walk on a set every time someone meets me that's from la or as a person of color they say miss parker miss parker <laughs> so i that's my absolute favorite and she was one of barker's girls she was a price a price is right girl just a little fun fact. I love that for 25 years, I've been called Miss Parker when I, you know, when someone loves the movie. So someone like a crew guy would be like, Miss Parker, Miss Parker, Miss Parker, as I walk onto the set and you just know that they know the movie and the thing, it's like an unspoken LA-ism. So that has got to be my favorite thing. I don't know if she's my favorite character, but um, I mean, I love it. I love uh, the mother. The mother, uh huh, okay, I'll call, uh -huh, call, call me when you get back. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, I, it's just uh, Felicia. I mean, and she's beautiful. Of course, she's 
fucking Debo. She's gorgeous. You take all that crack off of her. <laughs> And she's a beautiful woman, but yeah, I, was, I thought she was a lot uglier growing up. And you're like, no, you're like, no this you is a beautiful actress. She's a beautiful woman. Yeah. She's just playing a crackhead. Before we move away from Miss Parker, can we talk about how hilarious it is? Before you know who Mr. Parker is, when Smokey says to Craig, you know Mr. Parker ain't hitting that right. <laughs> and then later you find out that Mr. Parker is a little person. <laughs> I mean, subtly genius. Okay. Well, that was our favorite, one of the favorite inside jokes, one of the catchphrases. There's so many of them in this movie was just Mrs. Parker doesn't know. She doesn't even know, like, you know what I mean? And that was just like, you just put that into really like any kind of different situation. And yeah, I try to write them down. I mean, get, if I'm wrong, but like catchphrases from this movie that lived on into regular vernacular, you know, break yourself, damn, bye Felicia, you got knocked the fuck out. Mrs. Parker doesn't know. My favorite, don't ever, 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 ever come by here. Um, the first time I ever heard it, she's not fat. She's just big boned. I had never heard that in any other reference that's, before. That, yeah, that's not original, but yes. Is <laughs> that in there? And then uh, I wouldn't go in there for 30 to 40, 35 to 45 minutes. Am I missing any crazy catchphrases, Dan? Or that kind of like sort of covers the covers the map. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think so. Um you know, there there were a few moments, uh, and I, I I didn't write them down unfortunately, but there were a few moments where I uh, where I was like, oh, I wonder if that's the first time this was in a movie or not, because they've become such part of our vernacular. But I, I just I, I don't know if that was the first time that it had, it had been said in like you know pop culture like this. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the most the most sort of transcendent by Felicia and you got knocked the fuck out. I, I like people. I hear people say that. And and they use that damn meme all the time, or that damn gif all the time. Yeah, and by Felicia's having a crazy resurgence right now. I mean, that thing is back and better than ever. Eric, hop in. I wonder if Puff Puff Pass was, uh, or Puff Puff Gift. Oh, that was one of them. That was one of them. Oh, yeah, and the rotation bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The rotation, yeah. Uh, whenever we're going to see my mom, Angel always quotes, um, you know I love your mother. You know. <laughs> and then my all-time fa- my all-time favorite one and he's probably my favorite side character is bernie max reverend uh, who i watched again last night and he always stands Ms. out Parker? yeah <laughs> my cataract <laughs> oh yeah right around here we call this a little 20 twin twin but when he looks over and sees miss parker and goes claude have mercy <laughs> i met i met bernie mac I, I was working on malcolm in the middle and he was shooting the bernie mac show and we crossed paths in like the alleyway in between the sound stages and viscerally out of my mouth i just go claude have mercy and he smiled and laughed maybe graciously just because some random white guy was saying something to him or he knew the quote that i was doing but it popped out i couldn't resist it may he rest in peace yeah yeah absolutely yeah bernie mac uh phase on loves in this movie michael clark duncan's you know playing craps in it. i know yeah and uncredited role too as well and then yeah regina king who goes on to just become one of like the finest actresses not just like the last 10 years like our generation just like raking in oscars one after the other incredible i do want to break off from the film for just a second i'm really interested in asking you guys this question and eric i I think we're gonna go first with you my friend we're gonna go to the golden arches we're gonna go to st louis on this one i just want to hear about you know when i when you see the movie friday this is a day about them you know, the, he doesn't have a job, but in a way, they're kind of sort of free to their own devices. The neighborhood comes to them. They get into their own mix. So, you know, when you think about Friday night, we've gone through many iterations in our lives, many different phases of what Friday night means to us. When you think of Friday night now, you know, you're married, you're a father. Like, what age do you go back to? And what, do, what are you doing on that Friday night? You mentioned a little bit about smoking weed watching Friday on Friday. But what, what else does Friday night mean to you? Yeah, I mean, I have a group of friends that I've known since we were 10 years old, and we all got into skateboarding, which is also what you do as a suburban white kid in St. Louis. And so Friday night when I was in high school, immediately the first thing that pops in my mind is that that's the night to go out skateboarding. 
Friday night was skate night. And if you were and lucky Saturday enough, night and Saturday night was date night. So you had <laughs> skate night and date night. And woe to the person who schedules a date on skate night. And you're out of the crew immediately. Friday's skate night. So we would always go out skateboarding uh, around the city in like abandoned parking garages or any banks that were closed. And that was us staying up. I mean, some of the best memories of my life were being out in the city because some guy had a car and we were driving around just trying to land tricks and record them with massive video cameras. And then maybe we'd land back at somebody's house and, and watch Friday either by smoking some weed or by not because we were so young. But I was gonna sound like, it sounds like a 7-Eleven trip is in there. Were you like, uh, were you like, a, like what kind of candy and snacks were we rocking back then? Were we yeah, going with like the big gold? Slurpees. We, I don't know if you guys ever, did you guys have Best Soda in Chicago? We had Best Soda in St. Louis. It was like the generic soda. There was 95 different flavors and they would sell a three liter bottle of Best Soda. So each one of us would grab one of those on the way home for like, healthy hydration instead strawberry of, instead, of a 40. <laughs> instead of a 40 we had we had three liter bottles of best sodas <laughs> yeah it's the opposite you're staying up all night instead of maybe the 40 putting you to sleep if you're exactly. if you're not too careful angel just really curious when you when you look back now many different eras of i'm sure friday night in your life but what's the first friday night that comes up in your mind like how old are you and like what are you doing yeah i was you know i was a drama nerd so we were <laughs> rehearsing and doing plays or something now as a mother and a wife and you know a woman with a career i'm always so exhausted on a friday that i anytime anyone makes plans i'm always like who makes plans on a friday i do not want to come to your show i do not want to drive across town we just who finished the week <laughs> i mean i'll send something afford something eric and i'm like who makes plans on a friday and that's that's really what i have memories of high school I don't know. I was I was a drama nerd. I don't I don't know what I was doing. She was a nerd. <laughs> Dan, uh, Dan, when you think of Friday night, what does it take you back to? Uh, how old are you? What are you doing? Yeah, you know, like uh, you said, there's so many iterations of Friday nights in our lives, right? Um, and for me, for the longest time, because I was a bartender and like an actor and have done so many things, like Fridays weren't they? They didn't really hold a special place. Like I didn't. I don't. I've never had a nine to five, so I never really looked forward to the weekend as like a time of respite. But I think when I when I think back on like Friday night meaning something, I played high school football and we play on Friday nights, and that I think is uh, is probably where I go back to for a Friday night uh, in my head. So high school age playing football. Yeah, to that point, like I go back to high school too as well because yeah, I didn't have the nine to five. I always just sort of think about it as you don't have any plans, but you better damn sure do something. It had right. like that kind of vibe because Saturday was already kind of lined up a little bit, but Friday you're just like, oh man, I don't have to do this tomorrow. I didn't have to do that the rest of the day. Let's go out and do something. Yeah, and I just remember like, I'm like 15, 16. I'm probably smoking marijuana. I'm in my friend Ari's car, who's a year older than me, who can drive and has a license. And we're going to the Blockbuster video. We're parked out there. Maybe a couple kids roll up. Hey, where's the party at? Maybe stop at the McDonald's. Kids roll in. A cute girl's in there. I don't know why, but buying a double cheeseburger and housing it in front of her was a good idea. But and Friday night was just always like full of possibilities. And that's kind of what this movie is, too, as well. We're like, not only did I get in the ship, but there's all these different possibilities and all these different lessons and things that you can kind of learn. Can we talk about the soundtrack for a second? Just absolutely unbelievable. I mean, obviously you've got Ice Cube already putting tracks on there, but you've got like Keep Their Heads Ringing by Dr. Dre. One of those like slip through the cracks uh, Dr. Dre hits that no one really talks about anymore. Cypress Hill, Isley Brothers, James Brown, Bootsy Collins, yeah, yeah. Two Live Crew. Yeah, Rick James, Low Rider. 
I mean, Angel, did you own the soundtrack? Or, I mean, did you already have a lot of these songs collected from other yeah, albums? Yeah, I mean, that's had? like the soundtrack of our lives. I mean, that is really, the music really told the story, too, because it was a little bit old and new and what you would hear here in the house with your, your mom would play and what the neighbors would play. And then any car that rolled up, like what their kind of look and soundtrack was. I mean, like Hood Rat, Hood Rat, Hoochie Mama, right? Did Hoochie Mama, up? oh my God. Hoochie Mama's uh, uh, Craig's girlfriend. That's Craig's girlfriend, Joy. Joy, yeah. In the Honda Civic, which ironically, the first car Angel had when we started dating was a Honda Civic. I did with have a Honda windows. Civic. I had a Honda Civic. I had the knee long haircut. I was, uh, You I can was, see why I fell in love right away. I was really, I was rocking that knee long look for a, a good, you know, a good part of the early, late 90s, early 2000s. That was my look. I get, Eric, I can just hear you. You see, you see Angel. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Hi, boys. She's probably going to that health club on 106. <laughs> well that is a job is the word of the day that's probably the year for this for this year you know j-o-b job also dr dre was huge right then you got me like chronic, yeah, came, out, chronic came out in 92 or 93 so he's massive so he's got a new track on a new you know soundtrack album and everyone was talking about chris tucker and like i mean it was ripe to be a smash hit even though it was this low budget cult movie but boys in the hood was a year prior so yeah, it was so not low budget. everybody's eyes were everybody's eyes were on it everyone knew that this movie was being made they just did it for cheap mm -hmm. That's yeah it. and 91 through 98 is probably the golden era of soundtrack film like soundtrack albums yeah. from movies and you know the biggest artists and stars or whatever would always get their like lead songs onto a movie soundtrack and that was just they like knew it was going to be big i mean they had big names look you know to play chris tucker's part like it was it was a chris rock was up for it of course you know there were it was but you see how they do that slow-mo into when chris tucker leans his head through the window like they knew he was going to be a star or he was already a star but yeah and they they had that confidence too you can kind of tell there's a confidence in a movie when the stars and actors can look into the camera I mean, I, it's a it's a bold move, right? That I, I I can imagine probably hasn't worked at times, but typically some of the more classic films, you, the star is so charismatic he can look into the camera, look right at the audience, and we're we're cool with that because we're along for the ride. I, I I found that to be a fun little touch too as well. Yeah, Cube looks to the camera a few times. He does it three times. It works twice. Uh, Eric's got notes. Eric's so, got notes. So when he's walking Neil Long out of his house and Joy pulls up and is like, who the fuck is that bitch? And you know that he's in trouble. He looks right at the camera, right? That's right. And then he does it when he drops the ice cube because he's got to put it in his dad's uh, drink, which I don't think really works that bad. In a movie where a guy's taking a shit in the alleyway, an ice cube on the floor is not cringeworthy enough that it works. And then the third time he does it is right when Neil Long says, um, I'll call you at 830 at the end of the movie. And he looks right in the camera again. Well, and that was short-lived, right? Because what, three years later? later american pie is literally like having sex with a pie i mean the whole physical yeah. gag of the gross out nature of the the comedy of that bit that was trying to be executed was like heightened and taken to yeah. like insanely weird levels like only like a couple years later wait angel i want to ask you one more question about the soundtrack so wait you're at a cast party you just did a play back then what are you guys listening to what what like what's the music that you're listening to at a cast oh, party you know, i mean the rent soundtrack you don't really want to go down this, this <laughs> no i do i do of questioning <laughs> also you got to understand like that's a different circle of friends true right so it's, they don't i don't know if they quite crossed over it wasn't quite my drama friends that i was watching friday with i'm where they cross over i'm the theater guy who also watches friday yeah yeah it was skateboarding the bad boy dan yeah dan did you have mutual exclusive groups between uh your theater your theater friends and your regular friends how did you how did you work that uh that venn diagram if you will 
Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and I was also in band and I was in forensics and was like in the IB program. So my, my Venn diagram like very, had very, uh, had a lot of circles. That's what I'll say. Um, uh, I, yeah, I dabbled, I dabbled in a lot of different groups. Ate lunch, uh, ate lunch probably at, at one of the cooler tables uh, most of the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had lots of like, had lots of little circles that I, I like to dip my feet into. Let's dip into the big topics here. Let's get to Debo. Question for the panel. Maybe Eric, if you want to go first. Debo, greatest villain on a bike of all time? Don't you love the introduction of Debo when the camera is on the back spoke, just shooting the pedal, and they do that sort of Jaws soundtrack? It's like, bum, He's so intense. I can't think of another villain on a bike. Yeah, so Wicked Witch of the West, before she becomes the witch in the tornado scene, and I got Terminator 2. That's oh, about it. Pee-wee, uh, the guy that steals his bike. Ooh, also a good call, too, as well. But nice. also really another great, funny like not just an it kind of undercuts his 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 meanness a little bit like the power of the villain just undercuts a little bit that he's on the bike and you just use his physicality to kind of bring that villain in there <laughs> i just thought it was one of my it's one of my more favorite villains and like kind of that move too of they all have to like remove their watches and their chains and stuff and hide everything every time he comes around yeah he's definitely the, the best villain on a beach cruiser Yes, I, I can't because I don't think there's any other competition, and I don't think any other competition, dare I say, she'll ever be tried. Uh, and forevermore, rest in peace. No, I, you were making me think of we were looking at some trivia that was posted online about Friday, and they had said that in the beginning credits, but we couldn't find it. That um, Ezel, the crackhead, was the one that they, you see him walking away with the boxes. That he's actually the one that stole the boxes. But we couldn't find that. I was like, we looked. I was that like, that might be some urban. Myth. That might be an urban myth that it was him. What the fuck are you stealing boxes? And then for? I'm like, then he's the true villain because he started all this shit. Yeah, that's why Craig is off work so that he can smoke weed. So yeah. that he owes big perm two hundred dollars. Big perm. Big perm is selling drugs. Oh, who's the girl that's in the? Um, oh, Megan Good is one of the kids at the ice cream truck. Oh, Smokey good walks up call. and like, pushes the kids' heads aside. Yeah. She's the one that says, I hate you. <laughs> wow. Let's get into, I really want to talk about the scene that honestly jumped out to me the most because I hadn't seen the movie in a long while. The, the gun scene with John Witherspoon and Ice Cube. Like truly, Dan, if you want to go first, I just I want to hear everyone's thoughts on it because the scene that's not all, uh, obviously a scene that has a message to it, but the performances are amazing and the way that it's written and the way that it's constructed from a writing perspective is so tight. And, and really, really, really well done. I just want to hear your thoughts on that scene. It's honestly kind of strangely one of my favorite movie, scenes of the movie now all of a sudden. Yeah, I, I, listen, I think this movie does uh, two things very well. I think it does its comedy very well. And I think it does its moments of uh, gravitas very well. And there's a few of them. There's a couple of moments uh, with Ice Cube and Chris Tucker. And I'll get to, I'll get to the uh, gun scene in a second, but I do want to give credit where credit is due. There's a couple of moments with Chris Tucker and, and Ice Cube where, you know, Cube's like, dude, you can't pull me into this shit. Like, what, and, and Tucker has to like sit and, and think about what he's done. And there's some really nice moments in there. And this moment with Witherspoon and, and, and Cube talking about, uh, talking about not needing a gun you know, my mother and I, uh, my mother and, and I, your mother and I never would have moved into this neighborhood if we had known you needed a gun to walk down the street. That's like, 
yeah, I, there, there's there's such power in that scene, um, and you can just see sort of the hurt in in Witherspoon's eyes of like, this is what we're doing to each other right now. Like, what, where where have we come and where have we gone? Uh, we you, you are choosing to continue this cycle, and you can also choose to stop it. it it's it's a great moment in the movie, I think. He also doesn't take the gun away from him or try to parent him other than to give him advice. Like he could, you know, he lives in his house. He is his son, but his son has grown. He's, uh, you know, 19 or 20 years old. And he says, do what you're going to do, but you don't need that gun to be a tough guy. And what an amazing thing after Cube just did Boys in the Hood, which was also a message about how wrong it can go. But again, his character was hardcore. You know, you could easily misinterpret and want to be like him. And then he turns around and he's like, I'm going to take this away from everybody and kind of send a message that, yeah, we are being punks holding guns and we've escalated it too far. It's a cool little, you know, message that they put in there. But he says he says it and it's on the back of his head, so it must have been put in and later, but the dad says your uncle did the same thing. He was 22. And so it's not that he didn't have experience with it. It wasn't just, oh my gosh, you're shocked at a gun. It's no, we've got experience with this. Like I said at the top, it's a family film. <laughs> oh, I see. Ah, it's coming around. Well, and and honestly, the other thing too is I'm so impressed when an actor like John Witherspoon, who's given this role, and it's a very physical, comedic performance that honestly, a lot of the punchlines have to do with him taking a shit, right? And, and all this other stuff. And then he can dial it to a different level so quickly in that scene. And he delivers like a really great straight up dramatic performance in the juxtaposition between he, who he is the whole movie into that scene right there as an audience member, you are forced to watch that whole scene. Like your eyes are glued to the screen the whole time. And that really makes it all the more effective. And I just think it's a really cool scene. And then in the end, of course, he actually gets to watch him fight. And then he's, he's like his kind of coach on the sideline. And as you said, Eric, the macaroni himself actually gets in there and let's like dive into it. Eric, you're going to go first. Cause you've seen this movie the most times. This is a part where we get to maybe sort of pick apart the movie a little bit. Maybe some stuff that hasn't aged gracefully. Let's just start with the fight scene. <laughs> Your thoughts on the choreography today as it stands as opposed to when you watched it you know, 25 years ago. For Ice Cube stepping up and being like a real man and taking his lick, and he does also pick up a two-by-four and eventually hit him with a brick. And a so, brick, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for being a fair fighter, I mean, like, it's pretty, pretty brutal. And then, yeah, it kind of reminded me of, like, Godzilla versus Mothra, where it was just these huge body blows that would just always connect. <laughs> and then at the end, he's okay. His back's a little messed up, you know? His face is perfectly fine but uh he'll be all right you know me along can call him at 8 a.m if she wants to yeah and he, get, and he gets the girl in the end uh dan any any uh thoughts on the fight scene or any sort of maybe plot holes that you notice that you maybe want to point out i mean there's you know this was made in 1995 so there's definitely uh some things that probably wouldn't fly in a movie today or would be met with uh a bit of backlash namely some of the misogyny throughout this entire thing uh there's some like I mean, definitely the way Chris Tucker just dresses down this Janet Jackson. Yeah, Rita was her name, right? Um, Freddie yeah. Jackson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Freddie Jackson. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't think we'd be getting away with that uh, in today's world, but um, it, it. That's it, another quote that Angel and I say to each other is no, but I ate twice. I know, because I ate twice before I came. <laughs> and then right away takes off her hat and he just goes, <laughs> and my favorite part is they actually was extend, yeah they extend that in the next one too or mike epps has this great monologue in one of the opening scenes where like he's talking about uh i think like his baby mama's cousin or something and she's like 
she's amazing at snacks. She knows when snacks are coming out six months before they even hit the shelves. Like she's like, she's totally like on top of it. It's, guys, I, I love this. I, I love this movie and I actually get a more appreciation for it now that I got a chance to watch it again. And it's a quick ride. It's an easy ride. Like I said, it's a perfect movie to watch in quarantine. So let's just go around real quick. Angel, we can go first. Maybe just some final thoughts um, on the movie Friday, a movie that we grew up loving and the group that we can watch now and still really enjoy. Yeah, I love it. I mean, it, it can be written off as a weed movie, but I really do think it talks about the neighborhoods and the community, the black community. And I love that about it. I really do think that it's a family film. And I think it's something that Ice Cube gave back to us. And follow-up, do you think it could be reworked and actually turned into a play somewhere? Take oh, you can put anything on stage. You can definitely put this on stage. But then it's been done and redone. I mean, Friday 2 and how There's a Friday I, after next. I didn't even know that. There's a lot of, uh, yeah, Friday after next. It's, um, that's what I meant. But, you know, but it's like, it's been done so many times. I kind of like keeping a classic a classic. But don't get me started because Coming to America 2 is coming out. So <laughs> we're going to have to all regroup. I regroup and maybe come back on this pod and talk about that. I saw the first look pictures the other day. I saw James Earl Jones and I'm like, holy shit, this is going to be oh, amazing. America is my favorite movie of all time. It's, it's, it, we, we share that together. It's honestly, swear to God, that's in my top four. I do that at least three or four times a year. Eric, your final thoughts on, uh, on Friday. And is this movie, is this movie in your top 10? Cause it sounds like you've seen it a lot. It's probably gotta be pretty close. I love it so much. It's so simple and yet it's so absurd. It's real because it's shot on a South LA block, but it's cartoonish because everybody's way over the top. I love all the little characters. I love the cars they drive, the lines, the sound, like the score, which we didn't even get a chance to touch on, but the, the sound of the gates in front of everybody's house that people are always banging on is almost part of the score in the in the movie. Um, Mama! <laughs> Smokey, why are you not gonna like you the damn police? Everybody's worried about the police showing up all the time. You're like, is it the police? And they never um, do. That's great too, right? The police know. never show up in this movie. Yeah. I love it. it I, I've had these conversations as you do about like your top five comedies and I always put Friday in there and people kind of look at me surprised and I'm like, go back and watch it. It's, it it's subtly great. I love movies that are simple, but extremely well done that have like little nuggets in them. And it's got terrible moments in it. It's got holes in it, but then it's also got stuff that they lay out in the beginning that pays off in the end that we didn't even get a chance to talk about. So it's, it's easily in my top five, if not yeah, top five comedies, you know, of all time easily and maybe top 10 of all time movies. I love it. Yeah, it's a day in a life movie that just never stops. And like credit to them for just creating this really. And it's about weed too. So you would think that there'd be these moments of these dalliances or whatever. But no, it just always kind of keeps rolling. Like even when he does get stoned, shit still goes wrong. Uh, Dan, your final thoughts on the movie Friday, uh, now that you got a chance to see it after maybe a little while. Yeah, it has been a while. Uh, structurally, you know, we've talked about it. I think he really wrote a, 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 like a, a real hero's journey. Uh, goes through all of the stages of like uh, a really structurally a, a perfect storytelling uh, um, exercise. Some of my favorite parts uh, were Ice Cube checking his shirt to make sure he didn't look high. That's how he felt like he would not look high as if his shirt was straight. I love that, uh, and him keeping going back to it. He didn't love, sorry to interrupt, but he didn't love smoking weed. It made him paranoid. He had no, a I know, I know, I know. It ruined him. <laughs> I mean, weed is from the earth, but it did not help him on that day. It got them in the most trouble, so. But instead of like trying to pep himself up or whatever, he straightens out his shirt because he thinks that the shirt is giving him away from, from <laughs> looking high. Um, I also, I, I will put this out there. Maybe we can just think about it and come back and talk. 
I think this is Smokey's movie. Smokey has the first lines of the movie and the last lines of the movie. And that's a pretty good indication of whose movie it is. That's a great call. And yeah, we didn't really touch on Chris Tucker, but this just launched him into becoming a mega, mega, mega movie star for what, the next 10 years? Two or three different franchises with multiple sequels, you know, countless, you know, amazing performances. And a guy that, you know, according to the trivia, improvise a lot of his lines and i think we could probably all agree that we would probably say oh that probably makes a whole lot of sense it's a movie for any season it's the 1999 1995 film friday my guest today dan sanders joyce eric neminger angel parker you guys thank you so much for joining this was a holiday treat i really enjoyed watching the film but i enjoyed talking to you guys about it even more thank you so much thanks joy thank you this was Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos with our movie podcast series, Having a Little Fun. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Make sure you head to BetOnline.ag this weekend for all the great NFL games coming up in week 15. Hopefully you can make a little bit of cash. We got a couple more pods coming up during this holiday week. Until then, you guys, be well, be safe, be good to each other. We will talk soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.